This morning we continue our sermon series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We focus on giving. And this morning we're at the end of... uh, That's why you can't hear me very well. Okay. There you go. Coke was motioning to me. Thank you, Coke. Um, We're at the end of Matthew chapter 6, which many of you will be familiar with as the worry passage. And I need to tell you, this was given to me as a young person, as kind of a life verse, and I found it to be very true. Uh, there, it, it was read at my wedding, and it was gifted to me because of that in calligraphy and hangs in a framed picture um, on the door of my office at my house. Um, so I literally pass by this, this passage every day. Um, so I'll read it to you um, now. Uh, Hear now uh, the word of the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add even a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. How many of y'all have heard that passage before? How many of y'all still need to hear it today? Yeah, it's funny. There's some passages in Scripture where I've heard it time and time again, and when it starts to be read, I can slip in and and kind of turn my mind off and go into autopilot, and this is one where I still tune in and I feel like I still need to hear it on a regular basis. Why is it that we're so constantly in need of hearing this passage? Because we're so, so busy running from one thing to the next and always worried about things that are usually too far down the road for us to do anything about and usually not in our control. When I was in junior school, uh, we would have as an optional elective class in our seventh grade year was the first year where we could take theater. And one of our friends uh, was active on the basketball team but had to take uh, uh, one of these electives. So he took theater and um, surprisingly to him, his theater teacher cast him as one of the lead in, in the play. And so about a third of the way into the first act, he had to come out on stage uh, all alone, spotlight on him, nobody around, and, and deliver um, this big part. And then his part increased from there on. So he was a pretty shy guy, and so he uh, was nervous about it. And behind the scenes as the play began, uh, he's getting more and more stressed Finally, um, his part of the play comes out, and he comes out to the front of the stage and looks out on the crowd, and he just totally draws a blank. He's, he's just got nothing. 
and he goes up and he can't even get started. And it's just, we're in the audience, it's just dead silent. And it's, it's just, it, you know, it's just excruciatingly painful to watch this happen. And then you hear this little voice from the front row, his theater teacher, started feeding him the lines, just phrase by phrase. And he kind of snaps out of his gaze and starts listening to what she's saying, and it's just phrase by phrase. And then as he gets into it, he stops kind of being so turned internally, and he starts to get a little rhythm and a little momentum, and he starts remembering his lines, and he gets into the scene. And then later in the other scenes, there's other people in the play, and he's bouncing off them, and he's doing fine. By the end of the play, he did well. And people joked around with him afterwards and that kind of stuff, but... Uh, his teacher talked to him about how he got so locked up and so focused on himself, and he just went blank. And when we engage in fear and worry and anxiety, that can happen. And this morning we're going to talk a little bit about why that is. There's a reality in our brain that is, it's actually a healthy thing, that when we are engaged in things that really stress us out, the creative prefrontal cortex part of our brain shuts down and our heart starts pumping and cortisol is injected into our body and all this kind of stuff and we go into what what we think of as like a fight or flight response and this is not a bad thing this is actually a healthy thing because in a lot of situations it keeps us alive and one of our science teachers would joke that this is the way that we were able to avoid being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger so it's actually purposed for us and you see this kick in in different ways, and I'm going to break down a few attributes of this. The first is that fear, we're going to look at fear, anxiety, and then worry. Fear is a response to immediate threat, either real or perceived. The example of that would be standing in the middle of the street and you see a car coming, and there is fear that motivates you to get out of the street. Whereas anxiety is me standing on the side of the street, and before I step off the curb, I look both ways to see if there's a car coming. So anxiety is the face, not of an immediate threat, but a possible threat. And this triggers some fight-or-flight responses in us, and that's, that's short-term, and that's intentional, and in some ways that's very healthy. But this morning what we're going to focus on is the worry and what actually happens when we stay in these situations too long. Because this fight-or-flight response that's really healthy for us to keep us alive is not meant to go on long-term because of what actually happens in the body. So as we talked about, there's heightened blood pressure and heart rate. There's increased cortisol in the body. Our access to our creative part of our mind actually is limited or even shut down. So our decision-making is very limited. That's why a lot of times, like my friend in the play, we freeze up in a time of stress. This is one of the reasons that we practice fire drills and other emergency situations, because in the midst of an emergency, a lot of times we will lock up in the midst of fear. And if we don't have something that's rote and practice, a lot of times we won't jump into it. So there's this reality that we can't actually intentionally function as we're caused to do if we're caught in these states. And they're just meant to be short-term. But worry is something where we are actually choosing to engage that stress level on a continuous or ongoing or even chronic basis. 
So what would be a short-term fear-induced situation that gets us out alive, escaping the car in the road or the saber-toothed tiger that's coming to eat us, worry, we are actually choosing to stay in this status of fear or anxiety. And it has this very negative long-term effect on us. Like we talked about, it's, it's, it's the stress on the system. It, it helps to shut down our immune systems. They get overworked and they can't respond when they're actually called on for a heightened sense of response. Our cardiovascular system uh, is, is overtaxed with heart rate, increased blood pressure, increased fats in the bloodstream. There's plaque buildup, restricting blood flow that can sometimes even lead to heart attack. Stress can cause our muscles to tighten up, increase weight gain, and even a decreased lifespan. Many of you will hear, likely from your own doctors, that stress is one of the most difficult things for the body to bear. And like you could probably feel when Heather asked us to take a step back and slow down this morning and just be quiet and still, and you notice that the room just... And it just slowed down and you could feel that stress just kind of come out of the place. Part of what Jesus is calling us here to is a reality just practically that we're not supposed to worry. That worry is not healthy for us. Our bodies weren't actually designed to carry so much stress. I love in the movies when they talk about something horrible that's coming like... You know, the Russians are launching missiles or something like that. And they'll say, go to DEFCON 4. And they, they immediately switch into all these different things. And you'll see people go to different posts and take specific actions. And they have practiced all these steps. Well, essentially, worry is like chronically living at a lower DEFCON level. Of being a higher sense of alertness and stress and just constantly taxing the system and the body and not getting time to rest or slow down and it just continues to wear and wear. And part of what Jesus is saying this morning is this is not good for us to do. It's not a sustainable and healthy way for us to live. And in fact, it doesn't even match with the things he's called us to of the kingdom. But that's what I want to focus in on this morning on what he's actually talking about. Because I think most of us, by our hands and just knowing the busyness and stress of our lives, we're very familiar with stress and its effects. But it's really interesting to me what Jesus focuses on here when he's calling us not to stress. He highlights two things, our life and our body. The life is what we eat and what we drink, and our body is our clothes, what we wear. He's hitting on the core essentials for survival. And he's saying, this is what you need. This is what you need to survive on a daily basis. And he says, and I know you need these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. And then he reminds us, look at how he provides for us so lavishly. Look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And aren't you much more valuable than they And this is where we start to get into the crux of this passage, where Jesus is reminding us who we are. We talk here a lot about identity, about sonship and daughterhood, about this reality that God is our loving Father and we are His beloved children. 
And this is what Jesus brings us back to in this passage this morning. He's saying, look at how God lavishly provides for all of creation. And he reminds us, you're so much more valuable than those. He says a really interesting thing. He says, look at the pagans who run after these such things. And he doesn't say those things are important. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. He's not saying that these needs of ours aren't important. He's actually calling us to focus on something else. How often do we get caught up worrying about taking care of ourselves or these basic needs in the midst of things that we cannot even fix or change? Jesus says something really interesting in this. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Think of the things that keep us up at night. Think of the things that worry and stress us out. One of the guys I read, will, he has a litmus test he use, uses of a year, and then sometimes he'll extend it to three to five years. And if he's really getting slowed down and thinking through something, he'll stop and he'll say, am I, am I going to care about this decision in a year? Am I going to care about this decision in three to five years? And if he says no, he just kind of rushes on through it and gets to, to doing something about it. Most of the time, the things that we worry about are things that we can't control. Most of the time, things that we worry about are things that we can't even do anything about today. I think it's very interesting that Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry of its own, and gives us the opportunity, in a sense, to focus on today. When we discussed it this week at pastor's meeting, we laughed at the fact that he said, he didn't say, don't worry about today. I think today is immediate enough that we're actually living into action and responding to the situations at hand. And so Jesus is okay with us focusing on the day. Think of the ways we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Think of the things that Jesus is talking about with providing food for us and then think of his people wandering through the desert and crying out hungry because they've left a place of Egypt where they're enslaved but they were fed and what does God do he begins to provide them with manna and then look how Jesus is tempted after he's baptized in the Jordan River he's hungry he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and one of the ways the devil tempts him is, hey, turn those rocks, turn those stones into bread. It's this basic needs that we have that come up time and time again that God is constantly assuring us of, I will provide for you. Does he say it's going to be easy? No. But he says he'll be with us and it'll be good and he will take care of us. Part of what God is calling us to, I think, in this passage is not to get caught up around the things down the road that we cannot control, but to focus on living in today with him. The reality is we only ever have the present. The past is gone, and tomorrow in some ways will always be tomorrow, but today the present is all we will ever have. And interestingly enough, God invites us to that space. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Live with me today. 
have a pastor mentor who does a lot of prayer ministry, and he won't deal in hypotheticals. And his response is, Jesus doesn't heal hypotheticals, he heals people. So if I bring up a situation, I have to bring up an actual situation for him to respond to. And I think that rings true in our passage today. James Bryant Smith talks about practical ways to deal with worry and anxiety. Holiness practices, he calls them. Dinah's invited you to some of them uh, this year. But with this one around worry, he says, uh, one of the practices he uses is to take a pen and paper at the beginning of the day and spend 15 minutes and creatively and extensively list out all the worries that you have. And then he stops and he, he goes through each one and he jots down action steps that he can do to address the ones that he can address. And the ones that he can address, he scratches off. And then he goes and looks at which ones he can do action steps on today. And he'll mark those. He'll toss out the rest, and then he'll go about his day. One of the speakers that I listen to extensively talks about how he feels when he's worrying about something, he's more responsible. And so he wants to make sure things are taken care of, but he knows he's not supposed to worry. So in his creativity, he decided to hire someone else to worry about other things that he knew he didn't have time to worry about. But there is this reality where we can pass worry through a system. Any of you that have kids experience this on a regular basis. Your child comes home from school and is stressed and tells you all about it. And in telling you all about it gets you stressed and worked up. And then you need to go and pass that to someone else. Stress will work its way through a system until it finds someone who's grounded enough not to be responding to it. So what do we do with this worry and this chronic anxiety that's so constant and, and present in our lives? Well, we talked about not worrying about tomorrow. We talked about how engaging things in action today that we can actually do something about. But the why behind these things in this scripture is really the key to what God is doing here today. And we see it time and time again in this scripture where he talks about how valuable we are and compares us to the lilies of the field, to the birds of the air. He talks about in this Sermon on the Mount the many ways that he provides for us and cares for us, how he rejoices over us in singing, how he sets us apart for special things. There's these realities in Scripture that God tells us so deeply about his love for us. And this is the crux of this this gift and this invitation to set down worry. The why behind this invitation is God's great love that stops at nothing, that overcomes all things, even death. There is a reality that when we serve a resurrection God, when we serve a king that knows no death, when we serve a God whose love knows no bounds, we can trust in this God when he invites us out of worry. We can also trust that things won't always go the way we want them to. And I don't want us to miss that the scriptures, in the scriptures, God actually reminds us of that. It's not going to always go your way, but God says, I'm always with you and I'm always for you and we will never be separated. You will always be in my love. 
This is where the invitation not to worry comes from. And it's not just from a far off God who made a promise. The assurance of us in order to be able to let down the worry is to know the God who makes the promise. As in any other relationship where trust comes in, trust comes from the relationship and the connection and the trustworthiness of that one making the promise. And in my experience, when God calls us to seek first his righteousness and his kingdom, he's inviting us to a connection with him that is less about this worry and this provision and is more about this deep, deep love that he has for us that overcomes all. And is provision part of that? Yes, of course. But it's God's love that is greater than all these things. Just like he said, the pagans run off for these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Don't miss the giver in the midst of focusing on the gift. It's a mistake to read this passage and think, God's going to provide for me. I don't have to worry, and we're done. Behind this promise is a loving Father who go, who stops at nothing to seek us and to find us. And what is that provision that he's talking about? It's not just things of food and water and clothing. Those are basic needs we all need. But God is coming to us to be with us, to be connected to us. And this is ultimately what we've been made for. This is ultimately what we long for. Not just to be fed, not just to be clothed, but to be loved and to be in this deep, deep and intimate connection with God. And this is where the abundance of God comes in, in amazing ways. One of the commentaries I read this week talked about this idea of seeking first as abundance. He wrote, to seek first the righteousness in the kingdom of God is to discover that that for which we seek is given and not achieved. Friends, in my experience, a call out of worry comes from a loving God who invites us to know him personally enough that we can trust this promise and experience it in our daily lives today. There's a reality that this love that he calls us to is abundant and overflowing. And while the provisions of our needs, I believe, will basically be always met, in my experience, they're not always met to the degree that we desire. But in my experience, the love of God always always overwhelms me, overcomes me, and never disappoints. That is the true gift of abundance that God invites us to today. That is the difference in worrying and not worrying. The loving Father we have behind the promise. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we thank you that in the midst of all that we need, most of all, we need you. We thank you that you provide us lavishly in your love and your grace. And also, Lord, in just the tangible things of our day. Father, thank you for your invitation to know you more. We pray for the ways that you are calling us to trust you and to step out of the boat and to allow you to be our good and loving Father who provides for us. Father, I thank you for the ways that we will be amazed and impressed and surprised 
by your love that knows no bounds. And I pray for our courage to continue on in response to that love and grace. Father, we thank you for all you do for us and how you constantly invite us deeper into your presence and your love. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.